It is a welcome in Wednesday. How you doing, everybody? Hope your hump day is going along just fine so far. Welcome into the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios on this Wednesday. Mike Steely along with Parker Thune, and we are ready to talk what else? Some Sooner football, Oklahoma, SMU, 5 o'clock, ESPN Plus. Saturday late afternoon, our pregame show right here on the Ref Saturday begins at 11 a.m. Parker Thune and Martin Chase will be doing the 11 to 1 shift. <laughs> We've already got a pretty impressive guest list Martin for that Chase 11 to 1. Is Martin on the Chase yes. is the very first of those Way guests. Way to go, Martin. Way to Friend go. Friend of the program, Martin Chase. Who yes. else did you line up? Mark Clayton will be coming on. There you go. Boom, uh, boom. Oklahoma commit Michael Patterson-McDonald will and, be joining the show. All right, that's three. As well as uncommitted four-star 2025 linebacker Christian Thatcher out of Las that? Vegas will Man. be joining us live from Yo Pablo. Sounds like a big show. Yeah, we'll be out on Campus Corner. Parker kicks off the festivities again beginning at 11 a.m. over at Yo Pablo. Uh, we will also be not only at uh, Yo Pablo, Tyler Bacomas will be there a little bit later on. Plank will be there. Uh, and again, we'll be at Balfour, of course, with uh, T. Rowe and Teddy and myself. And we've got your pregame activities covered right here on the ref on Saturday. I am ready, man. I am ready for a stiffer test with SMU this weekend. Now, of course, you want to play against better competition. Not that SMU, this isn't Craig James and Eric Dickerson and Lance McElhaney and, you know, those great SMU teams of the past, but they will be a bigger challenge for Oklahoma. Now, let's hear from Peyton Bowen, uh, his thoughts on this SMU Mustangs offense. Really explosive. They got fast receivers. They recruited great in their um in the transfer portal. So they got guys like um, Miami transfer running back Knighton. Um, their receivers fast, twitchy. They can make plays. They're going to take the shots. Like They're going to give us 50-50 balls. But in my, in my eyes, like we got to make those plays. Like We can't let them. It can't be called 50-50 balls. We got to have the higher percentage, in my opinion. So that's the DBs and what we're thinking. And so they're going to be high tempo, high run, high shots. And we just got to make plays. We can't give up big plays. There you, you go. You want to hear what else Peyton Bowen said yes, about SMU? All right. So let me let me uh, set this up here because I uh, I go in and cut sound every morning. I get in here about nine thirty. I do stats before I come in, and then I start doing audio once I get here. So I'm rounding up Sooner players, and the second one I think I got, I got some Ted Roof stuff, some new stuff we haven't run yet this week, and then I went and got the Peyton Bowen stuff the, with the outstanding stick microphone, Parker and his stick there for OU Insider, and it sounds tremendous. There's no lawnmowers in the background or air conditioners or, you know, it doesn't sound like he's way back here. You know, it sounds great. It's clean, it's crisp, it's big league audio. So I got that sound bite, and remember, I'm going from players to coaches to try and find SMU stuff. Found Corey Roberson talking about coming back to Norman. Did not find a Rhett Lashley press conference anywhere, which was very strange. But... Once I got that soundbite, I said, man, that's good. That's perfect right there. That's all I need from Peyton Bowen. Boom, done. And you said at the end of the interview, things got a little more uh, spicy. They did indeed. Listen to this comment. Okay. This is literally the very last thing he said about SMU. The last thing he said in his entire availability session yesterday. I mean, they played Tulsa and La Tech. They ain't played no one like Oklahoma in Oklahoma's defense. So they're going to be in for a shot. There you go. How did I miss that? <laughs> Bulletin board material How did I right miss there. That? I failed, man. That's a C minus on the Peyton Bowen interview. So here's what I'm hoping doesn't happen Saturday. Now we've got a it's about 
80% SMU is going to test Oklahoma. It'll be a lot more interesting game, and clearly it will be. It won't be 73 to nothing. And SMU has more athletes and more experienced athletes uh, than Arkansas State does. Preston Stone was highly recruited. L.J. Johnson Jr., highly recruited. Jalen Knight, and highly recu- recruited. They've got some skilled guys for sure. Uh, no doubt Jordan Hudson. You remember that name. But the Sooners should be able to win this game. They are a 16-and-a-half-point favorite, and about 80% of people are saying, more excited for this game. We'll learn more about the team. Uh, and they're about – I don't know, 20% of the people saying SMU sucks. You know, if they score more than 17 or anything, it's going to be a complete failure. Now, I would take 17 or under as a really good performance, a good solid performance from the OU defense, um, if they can hold SMU to 17+. plus. Here is what I'm hoping does not happen, Sooner fans, and you know this feeling, all right? If you followed Oklahoma football long enough, particularly – uh, the latter end of the mule shoe era, you've got to hope this isn't one of those, oh, no, games. You know what I'm talking about? And what exactly do you mean? I think I think I have a general idea of where you're going, but when you say an oh, no game, what exactly couple are you couple receivers to? running wide open. SMU goes on a long drive and scores easily, and some of the issues crop up again, like from last year where you look at the TV and you look around to your buddies and you go, oh, no, this team isn't quite what I thought it would be. You know, and there have been some games like that. Tulane, Nebraska a couple years ago, right? Uh, Kansas State was an oh-no game last year. Now, again, Kent, it's Kansas Kent State. State was an OU. Kent State for Kent a half, State was right? an oh no game for a minute. So you've got to hope this isn't an oh-no game, right? The Tulane, the Tulane game, yeah, scary Gary, but that's right. You, you guys know the feeling. I mean, give me an oh-no game that you remember where basically it's like, okay, you start out the season and maybe you blow somebody out, but then the next game you get a better team coming in or whatever, and there's some oh-no moments. And there might be one or two, but I'm talking about for the whole game. And, um, you know, like I said, last year for Lincoln Riley, it was Tulane, it was Nebraska. Those were games where you thought, well, the Sooners got this. Should be easy. And they came down to the last possession. Kansas State was – I don't know if Kansas State was an oh-no game last year, but it was definitely – it was a wake-up call game. And maybe that's the same thing. But you know the feeling, right, Parker? Certainly. Where you certainly come to the – you suddenly come to the realization, ah, man – some of the same old issues are there. Not again. Oh, no. There have been at least two or three of those games pretty much every season at Oklahoma for as long as I can remember. Yeah, and, and look, you're going to have some of those. The best teams are even going to have some flat performances or have a turnover-filled day, uh, have some crazy things happen, that kind of stuff. But I don't know. What do you think the chances are that this turns into an oh no game Saturday, what percentage chance? I I really don't know, Steve. Like I would love to have a take on this game. I would love to have a hot take. I would love to be the one that, that comes out and says, "Oh, you's gonna have a walk in the park against SMU." Or conversely, SMU's gonna keep it real tight with Oklahoma. Don't take this one for granted. But I just don't know because I don't know how good Oklahoma is, and I don't know how good SMU is based yeah. on their Week One results. People are saying last year TCU last year TCU was more of an oh sh game. You know what I'm saying? 
There's a difference between an oh no game and an oh game. <laughs> and that was particularly when Dylan Gabriel went down. So there there are different levels, you know. A lot of, a lot of good Texas s- last year was an O game. That was actually an OF game. A lot of good texts right now on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, Ohio Sooner says Peyton Bowen got that dog in him. We are so fortunate to have a guy like him. Future captain, in my opinion. I like that, man. And I've got to add, add that audio to the soundbite for the pregame show. I mean, come on. How did I miss that? Jeez. Christy asks, isn't Bowen's soccer playing girlfriend at SMU? Yes! SMU has Peyton Bowen's lead recruiter now. There you go. There you Subplots. go. Subplots. All right. Uh, so, what is a good final result? Obviously, a win. But what, like, would you be happy with forty-two seventeen Oklahoma? It needs to be a three-possession win minimum. Okay. Anything less than that, I know you fans. Are so forty-two seventeen works for you. Yes. It's got to be go. a three-possession win. Uh, <laughs> Colin KC says I had to take some massive gunny medicine for that TCU game <laughs> and Texas game. Wake and bake. <laughs> Did he call in the prescription for you? Was that at CBS or Walgreens or somewhere else? All right. Um, but, yeah, there's a difference between an O-no game and an O-game oh, and an O-F game. I, I didn't even realize. I kind of – when I said three-possession win, I kind of hit the spread on the nose. Chris and Lindsay says the spread is 16.5, which yeah. is to say that if OU covers, okay, that's a three-possession win. You would like to see OU win and cover on Saturday if you are to feel good about where this team is going to be come the back half of the season when they're going through the grind of the Big 12 slate because this is a team, and we have talked about this before, Steely, that based on this schedule should be 5-0 and heading down to the Cotton Bowl. 100%, month. yes. I'm not trying to say I don't think Oklahoma's any good. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying sometimes you get a little bit of a wake-up call. They looked fantastic Saturday. They looked unbelievable. I liked it. And, yes, the caveat is, well, it was Arkansas State. Uh, I think that SMU probably, to me, if they score 17 or less, that's a good performance for the OU defense because that quarterback, Preston Stone, highly recruited, looked good. Uh, they've got some running backs. They've got some receivers. They have some skilled guys. They've got a lot more skill than Arkansas State. But I think the Sooners are going to win this game. I think it's going to be probably covering the spread somewhere in that – uh, 38, 17, 42, uh, 21, maybe range, something like that would be my guess. So what do you guys think? LaDonna from Lubbock says, respect SMU, but I'm hoping our defense gets another shutout. That's what I want to see. 7-0, 21-0, Don't care as long as the defense gives up nothing. It could be one of those oh hell yes games too, which is <laughs> Oklahoma When, when was out. the last time you had a hell yes game? Uh, Nebraska last year, I uh, guess. I, I, maybe. I mean, for a brief moment in time. Yeah, probably Nebraska. Maybe Bedlam a little bit last year, but uh, it could be one of those games too. The bottom line is we think Oklahoma's better. I think they're better. They're clearly deeper. They're more experienced. This looks like a different football team, there's no doubt, but we don't know just how much better they are. And I think we'll find out. Uh, we'll get more revealed to us coming up on Saturday. That's all I'm saying, and I hope it's not a no-no game. Todd Bates' nemesis on the text line says, SMU scored all of their points on big plays against LaTeX. Limit the big play, win easily. 
I, I think that's an accurate uh, assessment right there. And, uh, you know, who was it? Uh, was it Peyton Bowen? And uh, talking about the 50-50 balls are going to be in play quite a bit. They're going to they're gonna take some deep shots, run the football and take some deep shots, no doubt. All right, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Thank you for sponsoring our opening hour, as always, right here on Steel Man and Thune. 405-579-3113 for all your heat and air needs. You need those taken care of. Tim Lasher will get you covered. Did that as a kicker for the Sooners. His company will do the same for you. 405-579-3113. Break time. Let's stay on the clock today. Mike Steele with Parker Thune here in the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios. We'll head to the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. When we get back, they are rolling in. Stay with us. All right, let's rerun our uh, Ortho Central clip of the day. Ortho Central Saturday Injury Clinic is every Saturday uh, providing free evals for junior high and high school athletes from 8 to 9.30 a.m. Norman Midwest City in the Tri-City area, Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. They do the best job at treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. All right, so I don't know how it slipped by me the first time, but we have the new and improved Peyton Bowen on the SMU uh, offense clip ready to roll now. Really explosive. They got fast receivers. They recruited great in their um, in the transfer portal. So they got guys like um, Miami transfer running back Knighton. Um, their receivers fast, twitchy. They can make plays. They're gonna take the shots. Like they're gonna give us 50-50 balls. But in my in my eyes, like we gotta make those plays. Like we can't let them. It can't be called 50-50 balls. We gotta have the higher percentage in my opinion. So as the DBs and what we're thinking and. So they're going to be high tempo, high run, high shots, and we just got to make plays. We can't give up big plays. I mean, they played Tulsa and La Tech. They ain't played no one like Oklahoma in Oklahoma's defense, so they're going to be in for a shot. There you go. New and improved right there. You're welcome, Ortho Central. Thank you for your uh, sponsorship of our clip of the day. There you go. So uh, I do like, man, the text line's right. Peyton Bowen, he does have a little bit of dog in him, doesn't he? He does. He's got a lot of dog in him. Text line also pointed out, and I agree with it, the fact that he could mention SMU players by name Mm -hmm. and new details about their background, that's next-level stuff because generally, you know, when you're in the film room studying next week's opponent, you just know guys by their numbers. Right, that's really all you. That's Mike Gundy that's right there. Well, about. number yeah. forty-eight, real good, you know. Yeah, and you know, like Gundy's a little bit more vocal about it, but like that's that's just the way it is in a lot of collegiate film rooms. You you don't pay attention to names; you just pay attention to numbers. You're trying to make sure. Well, to pick Oklahoma State as an example, you're trying to make sure two Talon Shetron doesn't get behind you. So, anytime two's on the field, you're loosening the coverage a little bit. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, he did say they played Tulsa. Now, they played Tulsa in, in conference action in the past, of course, but they've only played Louisiana Tech this year. But I know what he was saying, uh, the kind of teams they play. All right. Uh, by the way, Zena Omozulu today committing to Texas. That's what I believe is going to happen. Yes. What time is that happening? Uh, this evening sometime. Okay. I don't know exactly when. So the Sooners apparently uh, made a late push, but Zena – see, that ruined my event. I was going to have Zemas for Zena. You ever had a Zema? I've never had a Zema. A Zema was a – was that like a 90s beverage? A Zema? You've brought up Zemas on these airwaves before. I can't remember when or why. We could have had Zemas for Zena if you can find a Zema anywhere. That's more of a uh, it's more of a ladies beverage, I will say. 
But uh, so if you had that on your festivities tonight, Zima is for Zena. Not going to happen. Nigel Smith will happen for OU Friday. So, again, um, it looks like the OU class on the D-line is going to be David Stone, Jaden Jackson, Nigel Smith, Wyatt Gilmore, Danny Okoye. Pretty good. Still really good. And then that Winary guy, if he flips, if Missouri craters, and we all hope they crater, uh, then you add Williams Winery to that mix. That would that be the best defensive line class in the country if they add Winery? To Without what, question. Yeah. Without question, that's the best. Are they in the same level as like Bama and Georgia with Stone, Jackson, Gilmore, Nigel Smith, and Okoye? That's a Georgia Alabama type defensive line class. Yeah, man. Like. Not just quite what they wanted, but still really, really good. Just imagining those four or oh, four of those six guys starting down the line. Like, let's say by 2026, you have David Stone and Jaden Jackson as your starting defensive tackles, and you have Williams Nwaneri and Nigel Smith at defensive end, and then spelling your defensive ends, you have Wyatt Gilmore and Danny Okoye. Yeah, that'll play in the SEC. There you go. Speaking of defensive ends, R. Mason Thomas will be back this week, as will Gavin Sawchuk. And uh, Gavin Sawchuk will be a guy that can give him, obviously, more explosive plays in the run game. So, 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. A lot of Zima texts. <laughs> Zimas are terrible. Zima is still around. Zima and Jolly Ranchers. Yeah, that Zimas was Zimas were a headache waiting to happen. Zima and Jolly Ranchers, high school drinks. Steely, no Zima after age 60. I haven't had a Zima in years. Now, Shay has a few in the mudroom with our second refrigerator out there that she she uh, she bought a long time ago, but I don't think she's consumed any. So, no Zima is for Zima, though. More texts. Mule Shoe's favorite drink is Zima. <laughs> it was big in the 80s, and it sucked. Yes, a very female beverage. Zima is the mother of all wine coolers. Zima was the first drink that I had when I knew I wasn't supposed to drink at age 14, even through the Jolly Rancher in it. What were the wimpy drinks back then? You had a Bartles and James, the original wine cooler, or like a Zima. Man, we just went for 3-2 beer. That's what we went for back in the day. The old 3-2. You'd catch a buzz on about your uh, beer 15, I think. You had to drink a lot. Okay, my question is, how do you drink 15 of anything? Because I'm trying to imagine myself drinking 15 cans of, I I pick a beverage, 15 15 bottles of water. I I can't fathom drinking more than three or four bottles of water. All right, there are a couple things responsible. One's called alcoholism, and the other is called tiny bladder. That's how I could make it. Now, I haven't done that in a long time, but back at the old Lambda Kai house on the right nine, oh, yeah, 15, 15, three, two beers could go down. Clark Stroud drinks Zima. That is from who? That was, uh, that's a five-star text right there. That's Frisco Sooner. Frisco Sooner, five-star. We just phoned you to the five-star Hall of Fame. Very good. From the 405, I can drink 15 Coronas right now. I'm not questioning that. I just find it astonishing that people can actually do that. Because, again, drinking 15 of any beverage, any beverage, 
is tough for me to wrap my head around. What did they say, like, Andre the Giant could drink, like, 40 beers in a night and a bottle of wine or something like that? It was a lot. Quite a lot. Okay, 405-651-3439. From the 918, Clark is more clearly Canadian-ish. Cutting of Stutzman Army says... Easily, Parker. 15 goes down smooth-like. <laughs> From another 918 listener. Pour a cold, clear Zima. Drop a sour cherry Jolly Rancher in. Light up a Griffin cigar, and life is at its optimum. There you go. Party at the Moon Tower, man. Party at the Moon Tower. Boone's Farm over Sonic Eye, says Dan in uh, Madison, Mississippi. So there you go. Okay, 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 405-651-3439. What? Anything interesting, by the way? I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, what what were we talking about before we got around to Zima? Peyton Bowen and, his, and the dog in him. Oh, yes. That's what we were he talking about. He do got about. that dog in him. Confirmed. Yeah, he looked good. He, uh, man... They've, they've got clearly a lot more depth. And uh, like I said, Gavin Sawchuk and R. Mason Thomas coming back this week. We'll see about the availability of uh, Drake Stoops and Desan McCullough uh, coming up this weekend. Okay. Uh, let's see here. want to thank again last year Home Comfort System, 405-651-3439 is our Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. It is moving as always. Let's take a real quick break right here. When we get back... Brent Venables speaks out, and Corey Roberson on his return to Norman. All that coming up next right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right, if you're uh, over 40 or even older than that like me and you're thinking about improving your eyesight, let me tell you all about the new LASIK, or as it's commonly called, lens replacement. Lens replacement provides... A permanent, long-term solution to your vision needs, unlike LASIK, which sometimes leaves patients needing reading glasses or adjusting to monovision. Lens replacement can eliminate the need for additional eyewear post-surgery. You don't want the glasses, right? You want to go without. And here's the best part. With lens replacement, you'll never need cataract surgery. Lens replacement, the new LASIK, it's a major leap forward in vision correction. So if you're ready to see 2020, then check out the new LASIK available at the newlasik.com. That's at the newlasik.com. Dr. B and the staff there, they are the best in the business. All right, Corey Roberson obviously was at Oklahoma, transferred to SMU in their win over La Tech last week. He had two tackles, a half a sack, and an interception, Corey Roberson did. And here he is talking about his return to Norman this weekend. Big week for you, uh, returning to uh, Norman. What's the feeling like from your angle? Uh, I say it's a very new opportunity, man. You know, I'm excited. I'm excited with the team. You know, we uh, we have something that, that we're going for, and we actually believe it. You know, I see it all. I see the practice every day. Seeing the media rooms. I mean, we got a chance, and I, I believe it. Everybody else believes it. I, we just want to go out and show the world what we could do. Do you have an expectation of what that feeling is going to be like stepping onto that field as a uh, as a visitor? <laughs> I mean, definitely. I got a uh, very, you know, uh, warm, you know, nervous feeling a little bit, you know, being back at, you know, Norman. But I can't wait, you know, see the guys and all. But, you know, once we hit that field, it's 
we ain't friends after that. What do you know about the Oklahoma offense from a personnel perspective? Anything you can help, you know, Coach Simons in particular with? Uh, I, I just know a little bit of, you know, what the game play they're going to do. I know they want to go fast on us. I know they, they're going to try to, you know, make us uncomfortable where we trying to do, like, all of our calls, our calls and everything differently. But we got a game plan for them. We, we know what to expect. We've seen the film on them, and we're ready for them. There you go. Corey Robertson coming back to Norman this weekend. You excited for the return of Corey Roberson? <laughs> I, I, it, it, pardon me if a former third-string defensive mm-hmm. tackle making his grand return to Norman, Oklahoma, does not really move the needle for me in terms of the storyline surrounding this game. What would be a less exciting storyline than the return of Corey Roberson? The return of Bray Walker. There you go. Texas State, though, they got a win, didn't Texas they? Texas State did get a win, beat man. Baylor, That's man, in Waco. First Power 5 win in the history of that program. There you go. Yeah, Bray Walker. And uh, there are a couple other Sooners there, too, right? Who else is there? Joshua Eaton is there and All Marcus right. Alexander is there. There you go. There you go. Texas State got the win over Dave Aranda in the Baylor Bears. And now Baylor gets uh, Oregon, which scored 81 on uh, Portland State over the weekend. Portland State, the home of Neil Lomax, former NFL quarterback, and former NCAA scoring champion Freeman Williams. Thank you. I'll be here. How until do you two know o'clock. this stuff? In the recesses of this brilliant brain, there are decades that stand out. Seventies and the eighties stand out. Nineties gets a little foggy. 2,000-plus, it's very foggy. But, yes, uh, I just remember those two uh, those two athletes were pretty prominent. Well, Freeman Williams more so than uh, Neil Lomax. But uh, both Portland State, Portland State Vikings, I believe. All right, 405-651-3439. Let's get to the text line. This is a campaign I can get behind. From a listener in the 918, we need the return of cool fall air for the game. Yes. Absolutely. I don't think we're going to get it, but we do need it. Fall is my favorite season. Ranking the seasons, fall one, spring two. Man, does winter trump summer now? No, winter does not trump summer. I don't know. Don't kid yourself. You know what you can't do in the winter? Pretty much anything outdoors. Can't golf. That's true. Okay, summer, slight edge over winter. But clearly fall is number one. And then uh, spring to then summer and then winter. So there you go. In the playoff, fall wins every time. All right, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line again, 405-651-3439. Coy says Texas Tech gets Oregon. You just oh, yeah, yeah, Baylor yeah, yeah, my gets bad. Oregon. Baylor That's, gets Utah. Baylor gets Utah. My bad. Yeah, yeah so. Baylor gets Utah. Two Pac-12 teams coming to the Lone Star State this weekend. That's right. One of them to Lubbock, one of them to Waco. See, I'm easily confused. I went back to the 70s to see what happened when I went recent. I confused the games this weekend. But, um, yeah, man, let's hope that let's hope that Oregon goes in and destroys Lubbock. Just drops a nuke on that place. Boom! I mean, that would be great. Just a giant, just like the Oppenheimer mushroom cloud. Except for LaDonna, you need to get out first, all right? Also, Aaron. Aaron Aaron, and Lubbock. Have we heard from Aaron and Lubbock since Texas Tech's lost this weekend? I don't know. Has Aaron and Lubbock flipped? We need definitive word. 
Or has he gone silent? No interviews until the decision. Let's go back to yesterday, 9-5, and play Joey McGuire's sound clip again because oh, that was so enjoyable. Okay. I don't know what it is. Everybody likes Joey McGuire. I don't like Joey McGuire. He's associated with the Red Raiders. And anybody associated with the Red Raiders, most of them, or maybe it was 9-4, yeah. There we go. There it is. Roll roll it. Let's go. The country's going to find out. Everything runs through Lubbock. Everything runs through Lubbock. Hey, we're the team to beat. Everything runs through Lubbock. No, 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 no. Look, man, I get you're trying to pump your team up, but everything (laughs) runs through Lubbock? Let's not kid ourselves here. I mean, come on. That is ridiculous. If there comes a day in which the Big 12 runs through Lubbock, that is an accomplishment enough in and of itself. You get to the point where the college football world runs through Lubbock, Texas, I don't know what kind of upside-down society we're living in. The end is near if that's happening. The four horsemen of the apocalypse are striding right into Lubbock, and we're going to you know where. The oil economy would have to be booming, and Texas Tech would just have to be dropping bags every which way. Yeah, I agree. Williams Nguyenary, you get a bag. David Stone, you get a bag. Let's see. Who who would be their quarterback of choice in this cycle? DJ Lagway, you get a bag. <laughs> Jeremiah Smith, bag for you. Everybody comes to Lubbock. What a godforsaken place that is. I'm just saying. All right, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. Uh, Big Rich in OKC says, Steely, you need to add the squeal deliverance clip to that Texas Tech clip. I can find that. One of, the, one of the most frightening scenes in cinematic history, for sure. From the 405, the problem with Joey McGuire is no one likes a grown man named Joey. Uh, local Ohio says nothing but septic water runs through Lubbock. <laughs> Another listener in the 918 says everything has the runs in Lubbock. I like that one, too. Gunner from Grove says winter, spring, summer, or fall, USC can't defend the football. They have uh, Stanford this weekend. Did you see Bill Plaschke has uh, – he's hammered them the last couple of weeks. And this weekend it was more about, why aren't they promoting Caleb Moore? He's a star. Lincoln criticized him. It was Muleshoe's birthday yesterday, by the way. Oh, happy birthday, Muleshoe. Oh, yeah, he turned 40, didn't he? The big 4-0. Happy birthday, Mule Shoe. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mule Shoe. Happy birthday, you rotten bastard. Happy birthday, Mule Shoe. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> oh, that, that was right up there with your performance of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. The Edmund Steely. Fitzgerald uh, was much, much longer. All right, yeah, 40 years old. You know, somebody asked me, do you really despise that man? I don't despise the man. I despise the exit. And I despise leaving God's country for a godforsaken place full of vanity and egomaniacs, Hollywood, by God, California. 
and a USC football program that unfortunately is one of the programs that's had OU's number, and you exit, you were given the keys to the Mercedes by Bob Stoops Motors, and you turn the keys back in. So, no, there's no forgiveness. By the way, LaDonna from Lubbock did say, I'll be in Norman for the game this weekend, so I won't be there if Oregon drops a nuke. Okay. Dan Lanning has the clearance to send in the missiles. Do uh, What are the chances that both Baylor and Tech bounce back this weekend? Because you know that Tech's going to play them pretty tough, I would think. I sure hope they lose, though, but I would love to see. Does Texas play them tough? Cause, or I'm sorry, Tech. Does Tech play them tough? Because Oregon scored 81 points last, wi- mm-hmm. last week, albeit against Portland State. Tech went up to Wyoming. Yeah. And got knocked off in double overtime. Doesn't bode well for the competitive balance of that contest. I actually think Baylor gives Utah a better game than Tech gives Do Oregon. You? I hope you're right because I want to see Tech start 0-2. Cherokee Sooner says he's 40. You know what that means? Time for a colonoscopy. <laughs> All right, we better break right here. Stay on the clock, 405-651-3439. We'll hear from Brent Venables when we get back. The one, the only, the nicest guy in the Oklahoma media and a fine reporter-writer, Eric Bailey, will join us at 135 today. Looking forward to that conversation. Keep it right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. The one and only Riverwind Casino has a great promotion happening right now. They always have the very best promotions. The 50K Harvest Winnings promotional drawings are Saturday night. Preliminary drawings, 7 to 1130. Two winners every half hour to win either 400 in cash or 400 in bonus play. And then the grand prize drawings just before midnight when a couple uh, grand prize winning patrons are going to get at least $1,000 in cash or bonus play plus any unclaimed cash from the preliminary drawings, they've got the big REO Speedwagon concert coming up uh, this Friday night. And then the uh, Friday after that, September 15th, they have Chicago. Two of my favorite bands, REO and Chicago. In October, they've got Foreigner coming, Carly Pierce, Rodney Carrington, Aaron Lewis, Flatland Cavalry, Boys to Men. We also have one more Beats and Bites show in the fall. Last year, again, we had a very successful, very cool Bedlam Beats and Bites show. We've got one in October, October 22nd, with the Gin Blossoms, Tonic, and Wakeland out on the Coupale Works Beats and Bites stage. Tickets for that show are only 10 bucks a piece. And again, uh, kids under 12 get in free. Get your tickets online at riverwind.com or go by the casino box office. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. All right, let's hear from Brent Vittables. Sooners just absolutely annihilated Arkansas State last weekend. It could have been worse than 73 to nothing. I mean, they could have kept running tempo and everything else. But uh, the Sooners actually let off the gas a little bit, but they still had a really good, solid performance beating down the Red Wolves 73-zip. BV knows that OU will face a tougher test this Saturday. The challenge is going to be uh, greater this week uh, for obvious reasons, and you're looking at a team that's probably got more depth and certainly got more experience. Arkansas State was a very young team. This is a team that, as I said, I think it's – maybe 15 seniors uh, starting between the offense and the defense. That's a bunch of seniors. And uh, senior teams play with maturity. Uh, Usually they play with um, a different level of confidence. You know, their fundamentals are usually better. 
the moments aren't too big. So, um, but we got a, a good group of seniors as well. And um, my expectation is we continue to uh, push and strive and hopefully execute to where we're continuing to complement one another. You know, for us to have the kind of season uh, that we desire, that's it's going to take that. And that is, that is something I don't know has been talked about enough with this Oklahoma football team in 2023 is how experienced and how old they are. Mm-hmm. A lot of juniors and seniors. Which is really starting cool lineup. for this year, trying to uh, bounce back from 6-7 and seven and a little bit frightening is not the right word, but maybe leaves you a little bit apprehensive about the first year in the, in the SEC, how young they'll be. Now, they got some young studs, but you're right. This is a this is a veteran team, really. There are two players. Count them. Two players. No, actually three. I take it back. I take it back because Savion Bird's a redshirt sophomore. So there are three players in Oklahoma's starting lineup amongst the twenty-two players that earned first-team reps last year or last week. Excuse me, on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball. If you look at the depth chart right now, there are three players that do not fall into the junior or senior so it's categorization. Bird, Canick, Gentry Williams. And Gentry, that's it. That's Every it. other starter yeah. on this roster right now is either a junior or a senior. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I Three. That's it. All right. Uh, and again, you look at uh, you know, Javante Barnes and uh, neither Sawchuck started. Obviously, last week it was uh, Marcus Major and Tawi Walker. You're going to have Sawchuck back this week. You're going to have R. Mason Thomas back this week. What are we thinking on uh, Drake Stoops and Desan McCullough? Drake Stoops wanted to go back in last week. Desan McCullough, not as serious as we thought yeah. it might be. Well, I, I think Desan McCullough... His status for this Saturday is probably in more question than Drake Stoops is because Venable said it. He said, look, Stoops would have gone back in right. this past weekend if there had been any reason to put him back in. But he talked about McCullough's injury injury yesterday, called it an ankle sprain, was kind of hoping it wasn't a high ankle sprain. So that would lead you to believe that if he is able to go this Saturday, he's probably not going to be at 100%, which – Honestly, 80% of Desan McCullough is plenty good enough, right? But that's, that's probably a couple weeks at least to get him fully back up to speed if it is indeed an ankle sprain. A listener in the 918 says, when was the last time OU had a shutout? That would have been the season opener in 2020 against Missouri State. Oklahoma won that one 48 to nothing. There you go. From the 405, what's the ratio junior to senior? Well, I, again, like, and we're still dealing with the ramifications of the COVID eligibility freeze. So there are some guys that are technically categorized as juniors that would otherwise be categorized as seniors. So, uh, I mean, off the top of my head, seniors offensively, obviously you you got Dylan Gabriel, you got Drake Stoops, Austin Stogner, Rouse, McCade Mattire, and so five. Five seniors, at the very least, on the offensive side of the ball. And then defensively, it's similarly very senior heavy. You know, it it seems like that we're going to have college football players, like we'll be talking in the year 2029, he's still got a COVID year left. You know, it's crazy Uh how long this has stretched on. Seems like forever. We're getting close. We're almost to the point where we're not going to be dealing with the aftershock of the COVID freeze much anymore. I think 2025 would be the last year where you have 
guys that are still that are still using a year of eligibility that was granted. And Dylan Gabriel would still have eligibility left, obviously. I thought I was curious at uh, was it at Media Day when Brent said uh, Dylan's last year. Somebody else said that last night. Might have been no, it was Peyton Bowen. Peyton Bowen said the same thing. He said, "Yeah, we know Dylan's not going to be here next year, so it's good to see Jackson doing his thing on Saturday." Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think most people thought that was probably going to be the case anyway. But uh, it's almost like a an affirmation. Okay, and man, did Jackson Arnold look? Look, I realized as he said, "Did you feel any pressure?" Well, the score was forty-five to nothing, but he still looked smooth and in command. Man, he yeah. really did. He looked great. I mean, he looked. Fantastic. Sean says, so last week the narrative was 65 of these players are freshmen and sophomores, but in seven days we're an old team. No, and if I said Oklahoma was an old team, I guess what I meant, Sean, is that when you look at the starting lineup, there's mm-hmm. a lot of experience. Oklahoma play, has a very old lineup. And they played 88 last weekend. So, yeah. yeah. There yes, there is a ton of young depth on this program, a lot of guys that are up-and-comers. But when you look at – the guys that represent and that comprise the starting lineup for you, it's very junior and senior heavy. There you go. All right. Uh, recruiting update next hour. Texas is going to get uh, Zena Omazulu later today. The Sooners are going to get Nigel Smith on Friday. What else is out there for Oklahoma? We'll talk about that. Grant Bricks, Michael Boganowski, Danny Okoye. We'll jump into that next hour. We also have Eric Bailey joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline coming up at 135. Looking forward to that conversation. Want to thank Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour, 405-579-3113. Keep it right here on the home of Sooner fans. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do here. Hopefully you enjoy it, though. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Hour number two presented by OK Generators. Oklahoma Generator, go to okgen.com. Number there, 405-321-6631. They are currently offering new customer discounts and free 10-year warranties with new installations. They are... Oklahoma's most experienced service and sales staff when it comes to generators and the longest operating Generac dealer in the state of Oklahoma. Thank you to Oklahoma Generator. We have not been able to keep up with the text line today. It's going absolutely. It's going off the rails on a crazy train is what it's doing. Uh, So let's get right there. Get as many as we can in this segment before we fall even further behind. Jim in Arlington says, Caleb Williams' dad says he may come back. Yeah, I saw it. Did you see those comments? I did see those comments, that, yes. And look, I like Caleb. I don't think that's a secret. I like Caleb's dad. That family was always good to me when I was getting to know Caleb as a recruit and covering him. And they're they're good people, in my opinion. Those comments, ugh, ugh, did not like that. It's just that, that was some real prima donna crap. Explain the comments to those who are unaware of the comments. So Caleb Williams' dad basically said that if his son isn't pleased with where 
the, whatever team is in position to draft him is at as far as organizational development and improvement next year, then he's just going to stay back for another year at USC and then enter the 2020, what would that be, 2025 NFL draft at that point? Which, look, if you don't want to come out after three years, that's fine. But if you're going to come out and say, well, basically we know Caleb is going to be drafted first overall, which is true, right? He's going to be the first overall pick. But if your thing is, well, if we don't think that that organization is headed in the right direction, then we'll just wait it out another year. My question is, like, what are you waiting on? Do you think the team that has the number one draft pick next year is going to be in any better shape? No, the nature of the deal is that the program, the organization with the number one overall draft pick has the number one overall draft pick because they either paid a king's ransom and set themselves back in order to trade up, or they have the number one draft pick because they sucked and were the worst team in the NFL the year previous. So when you are the obvious number one overall pick, as Caleb Williams is, guess what? You're going to a team that just lost a bunch of games. Mm-hmm. You're going to a team that's somewhat behind the eight ball as I far was, as their talent level across the board. Two one four. I was just going to say the same thing. John Elway ish. Yes. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe he's angling to be the first three time Heisman Trophy winner, which would be awesome. Like, and I think there's there's probably some part of him that's going to want to make that happen if he is to win the Heisman Trophy again this year. He'll want to come back for his senior year and, go, you know, can I go where nobody has gone before? I think that's going to be tempting. But, man, if you know you're going to be the first overall pick, and it, all, it, almost, it almost made it sound as though Carl was trying to portray things as if his kid had some sort of plight. He said something to the effect of, yeah, when you're the number one overall draft pick, it's – Oh, gosh, I got to go find the tweet. Yeah, the exact. I think think he said basically what he communicated is you're better off. You'd almost be better off going undrafted than drafted first overall. Yeah, here you go. Quote, the funky thing about the NFL draft process is he'd almost be better off not being drafted than being drafted first. The system is completely backwards. The way the system is constructed, you go to the worst possible situation, worst possible team, worst organization in the league because of their desire for parity, gets the first pick. So it's the gift and the curse, end quote. First off, how do you think those comments are going to go over with whoever is in position to draft Caleb Williams? Think they're going to show that tweet to Carl and be like, hey, remember when you called us the worst possible team, (laughs) the worst possible situation? Yeah. Eli Manning did the same thing. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it, they are very prima donna-ish. But, you know, this is a totally different uh, look. It, and it goes back, all the way back to John Elway. Uh, the texter was right. So it's not like this hasn't happened before. But here's the other thing. Caleb Williams, you think he's hurting for any money right now? Absolutely not. I mean, he's already on a Wendy's commercial. He's on the Heisman House uh, for Nissan. He's got another one, too, doesn't he? Uh who would have ever thought you would have an active college football player in a paid advertisement during a college football game, right? I mean, like Joe Washington back in the day, Mr. Silver Shoes for McDonald's or something at halftime. 
But that's the era we're living in right now. Okay, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Somebody wanted to know, sounded a little upset. Guys, I've asked you a bunch of times. Yeah, I guess we've slipped the texts. But uh, how the portal D lineman played over the weekend. Again, I, I said it on Monday, and I will reiterate it. I think the defensive line played fine, and I also don't think we found out anything about where the defensive line's at based on Saturday's performance because we weren't going to find anything out about either the offensive line or the defensive line because Arkansas State was just going to be that overmatched on both sides of the ball. Oklahoma wasn't going to have any reason to try anything fancy as far as scheming the run game and opening up holes for the backs. They were going to keep it pretty downhill very vanilla so that SMU has as little to go off on film as possible. And then defensively, Venables himself said it after the game, look, Arkansas State was using seven, eight-man protections because they knew they were going to be under duress because that is where you see the biggest discrepancy in talent between a high-end P5 program like OU and a middling G5 school like Arkansas State. It's in the trenches. Arkansas State's offensive linemen were not going to match up well physically against Oklahoma's defensive line. And vice versa for OU's offensive line and Arkansas State's D-line. So uh, to answer your question, I guess it's kind of a non-answer, but let's find out this Saturday how that defensive line looks because that will give us a much, much better indication. Uh, This is an excellent text from a listener in Texas. Rewatching the game, since no one can pronounce PJ's name, his nickname should be the Mantis. <laughs> and this listener sent a side-by-side photo yeah. of PJ Atabare and a Pretty praying good. Mantis. And, yes, there is quite quite a lot of similarity. The way PJ crouches, man, he gets so yes. low. He bends so well. Let's give it and a, so, he, he could be the I, land shark. Iowa State had a dude who was the land shark back in, like, the uh, late 70s. He played, like, a monster position, kind of like a cheetah position nowadays. And he used to get in a stance like PJ. But he would be off the line of scrimmage. Who was the land shark? Iowa State land shark. I'm going to have to Google ahead and Google it up. I have never seen anybody crouch quite like PJ. You can tell just from the way he positions his body lining up for the snap. <laughs> He's about to be coming at you with some venom. I like the Mantis moniker. I can roll with it. The land shark for Iowa State was John Arnod. By the way, so who John Arnod way back when? Okay, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, lots of people chiming in with their thoughts on Caleb Williams. Loco Ohio says, "Okay, so I don't want to go to that sucky team, but I'm going to skip out on the draft this year and go to the other sucky team next year." Another listener that I want, he says, either way, this year or next, he's going to a team that's going to tank for him. Doesn't matter when he comes out. True that. Micah from Kanawha says, Caleb Williams is already making so much money that he can afford to weigh on the draft. Wouldn't be surprised if more players with big NIL deals follow suit. That's another way that NIL is changing the game, too, right? There's uh, There are more options out there for absolute superstar players, To It's not like, you know, got to have this money and got to have this money now. Caleb Williams... You know what he said on Twitter? What did he say on Twitter? I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. Yes. So, and I didn't see the him on the Fanville commercials. I missed that one. So, 
Wait a minute. So the Boz is hanging around with Caleb Williams? Is that what I'm some, I saw of, Baker was hanging out with Caleb. Although Baker did come after him on Twitter a little bit. said The Boz sent letters, because that's how we communicated back in the day, to all NFL teams not in the major markets, not to draft him in the supplemental draft because he wasn't going to sign with them, which would have wasted their number one pick. Mm, that's accurate. That's that's one hundred percent accurate. Drew from Flower Mound says, "Who y'all got in Miami A and M? Also, how does Texas Tech losing to Wyoming affect how you view their game versus Oregon?" Well, I am of the opinion that Texas Tech gets stomped, please, Saturday by Oregon. As far as Miami A and M, A and M won that game last year, seventeen to nine. It was an ugly game. Connor Wegman's playing pretty good, though, right? He is playing pretty good, and so I would probably give the edge to A and M again. I would take A and M in that football game, but I think you you're pulling for Miami if what you want to see on the recruiting trail for Oklahoma is an eventual commitment from Terry Bussey. Yeah, because as long Oklahoma, of a shot as that may be, Oklahoma's and, kicking Miami's ass on the recruiting trail, and they're getting nil by a And M. Yeah, so if you if you want to have a prayer down the stretch with Terry Bussey and or Dominic McKinley, it might be worth it to root for Miami this weekend. Miami is the you ever going to be? Look, Miami in an eighteen year span won five natties. We're not gonna, I mean, well, Bama's doing pretty well, and so is Georgia. But think about that. Five national championships in 18 years for Miami. But it's been a while. And they probably should have won that one against Craig Krenzel in Ohio State, too. So, pretty amazing. Pretty, pretty amazing. Speaking of boss, says Jim in Arlington, Danny Stutzman got the boss to autograph his Versace sunglasses. Listen to the latest podcast on the prairie. Yeah, I saw that. Denny Stutzman's big old mm-hmm. garish sunglasses. Garish, very, very, stu- day, very, very Stutzman. Excellent usage right there. Very Thank solid. Thank you. Uh, Local Ohio says, pull an Eli Manning, drafted by Chargers, then said, nope. Mm-hmm. What is the latest on Devin Jordan? Asked somebody else on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Yeah. Union DB. OUTCU Alabama. Those are the three schools in the mix down the stretch. I'd give OU the slight edge right now, but uh, too early to call that race for certain. Grant Bricks. Grant Bricks, man. I just I don't know what that kid's waiting on. I really don't. I I very much have gotten the sense that. He understands OU is the best place for him. Does it take a Nebraska curb stomping at the hands of Colorado so for this decision you to, need be to be made? You need to be rooting for uh, Coach rooting Prime for Coach this Prime. weekend. Yeah. You Pull for Coach now. Prime. Pull for Miami. There you go. There you go. <laughs> imagine, imagine convincing any Sooner fan three months ago that there would come a time in the 2023 season where they'd be rooting for Colorado (laughs) and rooting for Miami. There you go. All right, break time. Uh, We've got Eric Bailey coming up at 135, Riverwind Casino Hotline. When we get back, Steve Sarkeesian was asked, what does an SEC team look like and how do you know you're ready? He'll answer that probing question when we get back right here on The Ref. Longhorn Nation, we're back.
Longhorns and the Crimson Tide of Alabama Saturday evening at Bryant Denny Stadium there in lovely Tuscaloosa, Alabama. The Horns played the Tide tough last year. Remember, uh, Quinn Ewers got injured uh, late in the first quarter. He'd thrown for 135 yards in that first quarter, and the Longhorns were uh, were hanging right there with Bama. Bryce Young made some big plays down the stretch. Alabama won the game at DKR last year, but uh, the Horns, again, uh, played them played them very seriously. What's going to happen this Saturday night? Alabama's a touchdown favorite, and uh, Jalen Milrow uh, really strong in the ground uh, last week. Alabama, obviously, uh, is the favorite in this matchup. But Steve Sarkeesian and the Horns, obviously, with Oklahoma, headed to the SEC next season. He was asked this question at the presser yesterday about being SEC ready and what an SEC ready team looks like. Well, I think you, you know, A, you got to have good coaches. B, you got to be have a physical nature in your style of play. You got to be big up front. Um, and then C, you got to have you got to have speed on the perimeter, you know. When you watch SEC games, really big people, really fast people, really good coaches and good schemes. And so uh, it's it's kind of, you know, it's it's a pretty easy formula when you just watch the teams that year in and year out over the last two decades, you know, who finishes at the top. It's kind of what they look like. SEC readiness right now. Who's in the lead, OU or Texas? You want me, are you asking me to be mm-hmm. a homer here? Yeah. Oklahoma, Oklahoma is more SEC ready. Why is when? Why would the Sooners be more SEC ready when everybody says Texas has the better roster right now? Or a lot of people say that. Because Oklahoma has stronger culture. Okay. I'll buy that. A stronger strength and conditioning program. All right. A better recruiting class top to bottom in each of the last two cycles. Okay. And a better coaching staff. There you go. All of those reasons are reasons I believe Oklahoma is more SEC. Does Texas have a more talented roster than Oklahoma? Yes. But, again... If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Texas has had a talented roster every single year for the last 12 years. The issue for that program has never been talent. Yeah, it's uh, it's always been culture and, uh, uh, you know, too many boosters are running around telling people what to do. At least that's the impression everybody has about Texas. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of buddies in Friday Night Lights running around Austin, I think, in the football offices every now and then. Okay, 405-651-3439. We do have uh, Eric Bailey coming up in our next segment, Riverwind Casino Hotline at 135. Sarks Vodka chimed in on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line right on cue. I'll say one last thing on the topic because it's just annoying. But Georgia had one sack on Saturday. Ohio State had one. Oregon had zero. Unless some guy sitting on his couch in Moore, Oklahoma, is a better D-line coach than who Ohio State, OU, Oregon, and Georgia have, I think you all need to be a little more patient. Yeah, look, fans overreact. It always cracks me up, though, the fans. Do they not realize that the coaches watch these guys every single day in practice? And... There's a lot of money on the line, a lot of pressure, particularly if you're at a blue blood program like Oklahoma. I think they have a pretty good idea who the best players are, and they're going to play them. But 
I understand sometimes coaches can be stubborn and maybe leave somebody in too long or something like that when, you know, but at the same time, yeah. Usually you should trust what the coaches are doing and telling you. And then if it doesn't work out, guess what? They'll eventually be out of the job. But I believe that, uh, you know, these guys particularly are good evaluators of talent. That is their reputation. I know Brent has always been that. Um, so trust that they know what they're doing. Last year, I gave, I'll give it to you, on game day, didn't look like they knew what they were doing sometimes. I'm talking about the coaches. Uh, the players in a new system, it looked like that. But I think, again, in the second year, you're going to see a ton of improvement. And, and as we've said for a while now, Parker, we believe this should be a 10-plus win season for OU. It ought to be, mm-hmm. without question. But it comes down to taking care of business. Handling your business. Scary Gary says, y'all mentioned Bowen being a dog. I don't like Dion. But speaking of dogs, I did like the dog and leader thing instead of captains. Did you see that? Where Dion doesn't have team captains? They don't have the, they don't have the C's on their jersey. They have D's and L's. Really? Which stand for dogs and leaders. <laughs> I kind of like that, actually. I kind of like it. You know, the one thing about Dion, I will say this, man. He's talked a lot, and he's flashed a lot, and he has always been somewhat narcissistic. But he is a Christian dude. But he is, he's very boastful. But you know what? He backs up the talk more often than not. Almost all the time, he backs up the talk. I don't know if I've still – has there ever been a better corner in uh, in the NFL than Deion Sanders? I mean, there have been some good ones, yes. But I don't know if there's anybody that could go, that guy's definitely better than Deion. You know? Now, he couldn't tackle worth anything, but he was out there to cover people and uh, basically shut down one side of the field, and he did that almost every time. From the 405, use your platform and encourage the Ref Army to tailgate on Lindsay. Go ahead. <laughs> there you go. You have the go-ahead from Mike Steele. Yes, go ahead and tailgate on Lindsay. There were, man, that was Cricket City, uh, USA, wasn't it? I was surprised. And look, people, a lot of times you think the word gets out on stuff, and the word did get out to a certain extent. But it's just kind of like we planned for three weeks letting everybody know hey after this day we're not going to be on 94 7 and guess how many people ask us what happened about 75 percent of the audience right so joe c joe Harris are smart guys they've got uh, good folks over there that come up with good ideas they'll figure it out they'll figure it out um and i think you know maybe they'll move to eventually letting you get there on friday early evening or something and set up because the one complaint that i heard that it was too hard to get set up over there when you got there even early that early in the morning. And, of course, it was an 11 a.m. game. So From the 405, guys, rookie question here. What is the tailgating process for Lindsay? Well, you get there, I think, was it, uh, was it 6 or 7 in the morning last week? You unload your stuff and you claim your spot. It used to be if you got there, people would get there the night before, but it's blocked off until, until game day. It was at least in this opener, so... And, uh, you know, I heard everything, too. No outlets there, no power outlets. Don't a lot – most people use generators anyway, right, for their tailgates? A lot of them do, yeah. So, 
I don't know. I just think it caught some people by surprise, and they'll plan better, and it'll grow over there. It'll come back. And the parking situation is not what it used to be over there either. Sooner Stevens says, as far as tailgating, I was expecting there to be no spots on Lindsay Street on Saturday. I have a feeling a lot of other tailgaters expected there to be no spots when they arrived. So they went to their normal spots where they knew they would have a spot. Also, usually the Greek houses stake their claim on Lindsay Street first. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe. I mean, that's a lot of people to make that assumption, but that could be, you know, you probably envisioned a mad rush to try and get there, and you thought, eh, you know what, I just don't want to deal with that, particularly for an 11 a.m. game. But it'll get better. It'll look better. From the 405, what does it mean to be a dog? Well, let me personify it for you. Baker Mayfield was a dog. Adrian Peterson. Also a dog. Leroy Selman. Dog. Mm-hmm. And it's dog, D-A-W-G, it, by the Correct, way. yes. So, yes. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to be an elite football player like Baker or A.D. or, um, or Leroy Selman. All it means is you got to have that edge to your play. I mean, who are some underrated dogs in recent years? Maybe Rock. somebody like a Curtis Lofton. Curtis somebody Lofton. Like that. Dog. I mean, a really good player, but, you know, wasn't as boastful as Bosworth or maybe as flashy and maybe as fast Eric as Stryker. Yeah. Dog. Delarian Turner Yell. Dog. Derek Strait. Absolute dog. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, yeah, they're, uh, the Sooners had a lot of dogs over the years. There's Drake no Stoops. There you go, Scary Gary. He's Drake a dog. Stoops. That kid dog. is a dog. There is no doubt about it. Absolute dog. All right, we got a break. We got Eric Bailey coming up. Riverwind Casino Hotline, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Keep those texts rolling in. Keep them rolling in. We'll get to as many as we can after we get Eric on next segment. Let's talk what else. What are we talking about here? Sooner football. Recruiting. OU stuff and the greatness of Marvin Gaye in this album. We'll be right back here on The Ref. Back with you, Steelman and Thune, Buffalo Wild Wing Studios here on a Wednesday edition. Joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, the one, the only, Eric Bailey. He's done a great job for a long time now for the Tulsa World, covering the Sooners. Eric, appreciate your time once again, my friend. What stood out to you in the Sooners' thrashing of uh, Arkansas State last week? Man, I mean, really, uh, they just kept their uh, foot on the throat, never let up. But part of that was really just a lot of players ready just to play football, and a lot of the second, third, and fourth teamers who really get their opportunity to play, you know, you get a chance to play, you're going to play hard. And they've been waiting six, seven, eight months to get on the field, and uh, that's to be expected. So I think I think it was just the opportunity to go out there and play combined with a really bad Arkansas State team. That just led to, to good football. And uh, I guess if you're Brent Venables, you're excited because they executed at a high level the entire game. So uh, the perfect storm for Oklahoma, uh, tough ride back to Jonesboro for Arkansas State. Now, Eric, obviously, week one brings plenty of surprises every year. And we saw them this week across the college football landscape. Oklahoma took care of their business, but Clemson went to Duke, and they were in for a shock. Blue Devils won that game 28-7 to in very convincing fashion. Baylor falls to Texas State. 
Texas Tech falls to Wyoming. That kind of underscores something that I think we have to deal with and kind of find the balance with every single year in college football is drawing conclusions and or resisting the urge to draw conclusions after one week of action. So after Oklahoma's initial game of the 2023 season, as impressive as it was, what do you think you can take away as far as where this football team is at versus where they were at this time in 2022? And what do you feel like you still need to see from this program in order to kind of solidify your confidence? Well, first of all, you, you don't forget LSU getting throttled by Florida State. There you too. go. Uh, that was another one, too. And, and Florida State may never want to leave Orlando again. They may want to play every game in Orlando after uh, you know their last two games playing in that stadium uh, with the, the Cheez-It Bowl last year. Um, all you got to do is remember what happened last year if you're an Oklahoma fan. Uh, remember that feeling when you walk out of Nebraska last year after the non-conference season going 3-0 and 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 really just hammering Nebraska last year and thinking, oh, well, this is going to be a special season. And remember how the season ended. Um, you you got to remember, you got to play every week. can't get too ahead of yourself. Uh, it's, it's only one game. you got to remember the opponent you played. And you got to, if you're Brent Venables, you're telling this team you got to get better every week. Uh, you, you got to learn that, you know, yes, you played well on Saturday, but you got to improve every week. Um, you just can't get too excited. There's so much to, to, to improve upon, and all three, both coordinators and Brent Venable said that this week. There's so much to get better at, um, and, and that's the key. you got to get better. Uh, I, but there's a lot to be excited about if you're an Oklahoma fan in that vein. Look at the way Dylan Gabriel threw the football. I mean, really, there was only, you know, thir- both quarterbacks going 30 to 33, and really only one pass. Uh, the, the, the pass the end zone to Jalil Farouk, that was the back shoulder that he had to really just throw away. That was really the true, only true incompletion. The other two were, uh, you know, should have probably been caught. So, I, you know, the receivers and the quarterback, the way they were in sync, uh, the way the run game, they were able to spread the wealth a little bit and get different guys' touches. Um, there was so much good in that game that you can build upon. And if, you, and if you're trying to improve and get better off that, that's a good sign if you're an Oklahoma fan. Eric Bailey with us on the uh, Riverwind Casino Hotline here on this Wednesday. Uh, you're there, like Parker is, for all the media sessions, and you hear from the coaches at the podium and the players after practice and in their availabilities. Can you tell any difference in the attitude or, you know, the culture or the chemistry of this team in year two? Does it look any different to you just uh, in what you hear and see being around the players and coaches? Just a little bit more confidence. I mean, you can tell their confidence. They know this uh, structure. They know this system a little better. And the newcomers are uh, seem to have grasped it. There's a little bit more talent. You know, we heard the word competitive depth over and over during fall camp. I think that the, the players understand that, you know, they have to work hard to keep that, that starting position. They have to work hard to get playing time on the field. I think that's the understanding. And we're seeing that. They understand that they have to really earn any playing time that they get, any, any reps. And uh, that's a good sign if you're uh, an Oklahoma fan because they understand that, you know, nothing's given, everything's earned. I mean, we saw a guy like Reggie Grimes on the field late in the game of a blowout game, and here's a guy who was a starter last year. So, I mean, that, that's, that's, you know, I'm not taking a shot at Reggie because he's, he's an outstanding player, but that's just where you are on this depth chart. There's a lot of talent on this depth chart now, too, so you really have to work hard to get on the field. 
So I think the depth has really helped, and we're seeing that. And I think that's not only going to help in the near future, it's going to help in games 10, 11, and 12 when, when you need those players to really play late in the games. You've got fresh legs. You have guys that you can roll in and out of games. I think that's what we're seeing with this team, uh, just a lot of confidence and a lot of depth. Now, Eric, Jeff Lebby did say on Monday that obviously he's got a lot of guys that are capable of contributing in the running back room, and he's going to use the hot hand approach going forward with all of his backs. What do you think the ideal recipe is out of the backfield for Oklahoma? Is there one guy you favor above the rest? You know, it's funny. It, it, that's going to be pretty tricky balance to find out how you find the hot hand because there's a lot of guys that can really run the football. And how do you determine who the, who has the hot hand? Um, you know, you, you want to give guys equal opportunity to get carries, but how do you find out how, who has the hot hand if you're kind of spreading the wealth a little bit? Uh, you know, Javante Barnes had the most amount of carries uh, on Saturday, uh, but I was really impressed with Tyree Walker, just the way he could run the ball, man, with his physical, the physical style that he runs with. And uh, I think the key is we really didn't see any explosive plays out of that running back's room on Saturday. And, and Jeff Levy mentioned it. He wants to see more explosive plays. So is it the guy that can make guys miss, get 10, 11, 12, 15 yards a pop? Is, is that what's going to determine who's going to be have the hot hand? And, you know, will we see uh, Dalen Smothers and Caleb Hipsmore? Or are they going to get a chance to really show what they can do? Because, you know, that, this game had, gave opportunity for some of those younger players to get carries. Uh, you know, Gavin Sopcic is going to be available in this game. That's what Brent Venable uh, said on Monday or Tuesday during his press conference. So will we see him get an opportunity to get carries? So how do you determine who has a high hand when you have so many guys that can run the football? So that's going to be a delicate balance of, how do you determine who has a hot hand when you have so many guys that can run the ball? Uh, I'm still wanting to see what Tommy Walker can do. I was really impressed with, with how he runs behind his pads and how he's a physical runner. Uh, I'm really curious how he's going to be used in this SMU game. How worried should uh, OU be about SMU Saturday? Uh, veteran team, a lot of seniors, uh, a lot of teams, a lot of a lot of players that have had success. They know how to win. So I think they're not going to be as intimidated as a lot of teams that come into Memorial Stadium. So I think that's the key. You're going to have to get on them early. Uh, you can't let them gain any momentum. Uh, that, that's going to be very important. And this is an SMU team that's going to really seize the opportunity to come in and play in front of 80,000 and try to make their mark. So uh, they really played well against uh, uh, Tech in their opener. I think that that's going to be something they're not going to be as intimidated as Arkansas State was. So if you're Oklahoma, you've got to go in early and oppose their will. And, and play disciplined and play smart. Uh, don't go in there and think that SMU is going to lay over. So I think this is going to be a really good game. Um, it, it, and I'm really curious. It's going to be neat seeing Calvin Thibodeau on the sideline for SMU, too, former uh, defensive line coach, my coworker, um, Mason Young, wrote a really neat story. It's just online now at the Tulsa World. Um, he interviewed Calvin yesterday and got a story up, and Calvin had a, a really nice, uh, nice thing to say about Oklahoma uh, Calvin's looking forward to coming back to Memorial Stadium and coaching in there. And uh, left on good terms with Brent Venables because Brent was going to bring Todd Bates in and let Calvin know right away that he had a guy coming in. Uh, but they left on good terms, and Calvin has a new home at SMU. So if you get a chance to read that story on uh, Um But it's going to really be neat to see uh, a familiar face come back to the sidelines. Uh, uh, Calvin's a good guy. But uh, this is going to be a good test for Oklahoma, a good week two test. And 
Uh, remember, Steely, who, who was supposed to be here this Saturday? What game were we supposed to be talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the other dogs were supposed to be in town. That's right. Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. You got one more? What before? a showdown that would yeah. have been. Yeah. Eric, before we let you go, I know this is something that's kind of been buried in the news cycle because it happened at the very front end of the game on Saturday. But we're coming out of an era at the University of Oklahoma where special teams was not really emphasized by the former regime. What does it say about the direction of this program and their emphasis on the details, the little things, that Gavin Freeman ended a seven-year drought for Oklahoma with a punt return touchdown? Hard to believe it's been seven years since there's been a touchdown. I mean, you see so many fair catches, fair catch, fair catch in years past, and Oklahoma's always had playmakers. That's the, the, that's the deal. They've always had playmakers and, I, you know, it was probably frustrating to Oklahoma fans to see so many fair catches on punts. Now you're letting those guys make plays. And, you know, I always thought, you know, here I am. I'm just a sports writer. I've never been a football coach. But I always thought if you could get 10 yards on a punt return, that's a first down. That, that's a first down for your offense. 10 yards on a punt return. That's all you need. That just takes some, some pressure off the offense, uh, let alone 82 yards on a punt return. That's huge. And, and Gavin Freeman, we, we've seen what he can do with the football in his hands. It's not only him. You know, I'm looking forward to Peyton Bowen getting the ball in his hands. And we already know what Drake Stoops can do when he has the ball in his hands, too. So, uh, you know, Billy Bowman on a kick return, Jalil Farouk, there's playmakers all over this field that can do stuff. And, hey, you know what we haven't talked about enough? What about Ethan Downs with a fair catch on the opening kickoff? Asking a linebacker to make a catch, make a play on special teams. That, that was probably the smartest play that Butch Jones had that whole game was the, the pooch kick on the, the opening kickoff and make a linebacker make a fair catch. And Ethan Downs. Hey, that's some athleticism for a linebacker to make a fair catch on the opening kickoff. So, but no, make make, make plays with your playmakers, and I, I was really impressed. Oklahoma does that, and there's more of an emphasis on special teams to do that. Eric, good stuff. We'll see you on Saturday. All right, guys, Parker, Steely, it's good. Always good to talk to you, man. Have a good week. Okay? Yes, sir. Absolutely. We'll take a break right here. The one, the only, Eric Bailey, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Break time. One more segment left. As many texts as we can get in. We'll do it to it next on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line here on the ref. All right, one more segment. We're going to get locked in coming up at 2 o'clock. Uh, Zena Omazulu expected to pick Texas uh, with his commitment tonight. Sooners will get uh, undoubtedly Nigel Smith on Friday. So that's what's going on recruiting wise. 405-651-3439. Kenipelmeyer Chevrolet text line available to you. Let's get as many in as we can before we close it out here. What do we have, Parker Thune? Sooner Steven wants to know. By the way, this is Sooner, Sooner Steven with a PH. How is Texas still allowed to play Alabama, but Oklahoma was not allowed to play Georgia? Well, it's all about the return game, right? And they started uh, that series a year earlier, so the return game was already there. And again, Oklahoma will be playing in the SEC next year, so it's it doesn't mess with the SEC schedule. So that's how it happened. Sandra John wants to know, Parker, what's the latest intel regarding Zena Mosulu? Are we being used again as a negotiation tool? Not a negotiation tool, but. Mentioned the possibility yesterday as some of that Oklahoma smoke was going around. My gut feeling was that he was just kind of making it seem as though Texas wasn't the obvious or making Texas seem like less of an obvious choice by churning up some of that Oklahoma smoke. And so I, I know there was a time down the stretch where 
there were some OU folks confident. Even yesterday, there was some buzz from inside the Switzer Center that, you know, we feel like we got a shot at this kid. But in the end, it does feel like it's going to be Texas tonight, and it kind of just feels like Oklahoma was the school that was used as the smokescreen. You never want to be the smokescreen. So uh, there you go. Do, 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 do. What else do we have? K-Dub in the 918 says, Steely and Parker, if I had to say it's obvious to me that Steely with some of those off-the-wall analogies, he is an absolute dog. <laughs> and Parker with best friends like Todd Bates' nemesis and recruiting Doomer, you're a pure leader. <laughs> there we go. We'd be team captains for Dion. There you go. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, does Nebraska have a chance in that game? They're two-and-a-half-point underdog. Man, Sims cannot throw the ball very well at all at QB. I mean, he just – he can run some, but what a sad state of affairs Nebraska football is. I mean, when you used to think about the dogs they had, Tommy Frazier, Johnny Rogers, and Dominican Sue, Rich Glover – Larry Jacobson, Mike Rozier, Irving Fryer, Turner Gill, Steve Taylor, Broderick Thomas. I mean, they had some guys. And I don't know. It's Nebraska is still, and you see a lot of the blue blood lists that come out, Nebraska is still listed as one. But that, that blue that blood status, yeah, it's, it's, slipping. it's going to be stripped away. It's pretty close right now, doesn't it feel like? From the 918, it feels like there are a lot of smoke screens being used more than the usual year of recruiting. Also, Caleb Williams would be considered a cat. He's still a dog, though. I know what you're saying, but yeah, man. Yeah, no, Caleb got that dog in him. Did you see that throw he made going out of bounds? Oh, my gosh. It's ridiculous. I mean, it, it is. He, just, he does this stuff every week and makes it look routine. Yeah. Man. I have no doubt that most Sooner fans would trade mule shoe for Brent Venables mm-hmm. retroactively. But, man, the fact that you had Caleb Williams on your roster and now you don't. No disrespect to Dylan Gabriel. No. Or Jackson Arnold. Jackson Arnold's got a great any future. Of the other quarterbacks in the roster at Oklahoma. But Caleb Williams is one of a kind. He is. He's one of those guys that we might be talking about, you know, with a, a gold coat going into the uh, – in Canton. By the way, you know who road. else didn't have a half bad week one is Spencer Rattler. He no, looks pretty dang good. I don't think he threw for a touchdown, but I believe his completion percentage in yards were more than Drake Mays. He had 353 yards, did not throw for a touchdown. But, yeah, yeah, all in all, especially with the kind of pressure he was under all day long, had a very, very impressive. That was an outstanding uniform matchup because both teams were their home unis. I mean, it was, it was a great matchup. Great matchup. I remember when uh, North Carolina and Lawrence Taylor came to uh, Norman back in the day. Dick Crum was the uh, head coach at North Carolina, and Switzer called him Denny, Denny Crum, and their meeting. Denny Crum, who was the legendary coach at Louisville, <laughs> Denny, we're going to have 100 on your ass, probably something like that. That's how it went. Ron in Alito says, I can see Colorado having a big emotional letdown this weekend after defeating TCU. Everybody is talking about them, and I expect Nebraska to play better. Not saying they'll beat Colorado, but I think it might be closer than people think. I I don't know if I can root for Colorado, though. I mean, I will, sometimes I like Dion. All right, Dion's all right. And then he's just so full of, uh, I don't know, he's – sometimes you can get too much Dion. 
And the Colorado hype train already, we're going off the rails on a crazy train there, too. So I wouldn't mind seeing the Huskers win. But you're saying for Grant Brick's recruitment status, you need the Yes, buffs. you want the buffs to beat the Brakes off Nebraska. There you go. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you to the one, the only Riverwind Casino. Don't forget this Friday night's REO Speedwagon in concert. Then the next Friday night, September 15th, Chicago legendary rock and roll bands. I love them both. Plus the 50K Harvest Winnings promotional drawing Saturday night. Always a chance to win, dine, be entertained at the very highest level at the one and only Riverwind Casino. Everybody have a wonderful Wednesday. We'll see you.